Welcome everyone, Shockcast Episode 8, my name's Luke and Taldi, I'm your host. Today, we are doing the pre-E3 show. We already did our E3 predictions, if you're looking for that, just look at last week's episode. We didn't have to deal with Chris, unfortunately he's here today. What's uh, up? Oh my god, we can't get rid of you. Um, but <laughs> well, Actually, we can. We can, but we prefer not to use murder and torture. Um, no, well, that's oh. not really necessary. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, at least we shouldn't <laughs> have mentioned that on air. Um, so joining us today, of course, we have Chris. Uh, we have Giuseppe, who's helping me conspire in our plan to murder Chris. Hello, everyone. Uh, and we have the mighty Ryan Meitzler with us also. PlayStation 5 at E3, I'm calling it. You can't that's add it. more predictions. <laughs> I've told you this once. I've told you this a million times. We have it set in stone. We're going to grade it afterwards. You That's right, your I guess time. I'll call it. <laughs> All right, so today, you your chance. today we're going to talk a little bit about remakes and remasters. Uh, there's a ton of news coming, a ton of leaks t uh, coming, and we're going to talk about leaks as well. Also today, we're doing giveaways. Uh, we're doing uh, Letter Quest Remastered for the PlayStation 4, and we're giving away a copy of SteamWorld Heist and The Outsider or Stranger or something DLC. It's something like that, Outsider, Stranger. Um, and both of those very generously given to us by the developer. Uh, if you want to be part of the giveaways, we try to do them every week. Just come, be with us live every week at Wednesday, twitch.tv, uh, DualShockers Live at 8.30. Today we started a little bit late, but thanks for everyone who still made it here on time, and we're sorry we were late. Um, Alright, so let's start off with a giveaway. We haven't done that in a while. So the first okay. one will be for Letter Quest Remastered. Four. That's Hold you. On. Come on, I'm Chris. doing it. I'm doing it. I Let's swear go. I could spell the word. Awesome. Seraphim. Three, two, one. First Our... time you didn't catch hey. yourself. Yeah, that... I just... that's good. <laughs> I just didn't rig it this week, you know. I figured for the first giveaway, I wasn't feeling this one, so I'll give it to uh, a fan. Okay, good. I legitimately think this is the first time that you didn't pick yourself so that's that's awesome uh, it's well i mean it is possible that seraphim 321 is just an alternate account that chris is using right now so he could just get the codes himself so but you know are you guys actually are we in audio it says we're in audio obs the we're using says you better you, you better have to this up. we can we can test this out someone on their end let us know if you hear us uh or Someone who has it open amongst the four of us. I don't have it open. Um, okay, so we're gonna go. It's, yeah, we're we're fine. I'm, I'm, it's coming through on mine. Okay, so we're good. Yeah. Sorry, Seraphim. It's all on your end. Uh, on the bright side, you do have a free game. That's Letter Quest Remastered for PlayStation Four. Just send a whisper over to someone, or we'll send a whisper over to you, and we'll make sure to email you after the show. Um, all right. So, what has everyone been playing? We're kind of in this huge news rush before E3, and of course, E3 is going to kill all of us who work in the industry. Um, so, what are you doing to calm yourself beforehand? Let's start with Giuseppe. <laughs> Call myself, yeah, sure. <laughs> I the, the, the worst game to ever play when you're busy, which is uh, Hearts of Iron 4 on PC, mm -hmm. and that's basically the the most com complex, time-consuming, and like absorbing game that you can imagine. It's great. Uh, I can't say more because I have, I'm reviewing it when I'm ready. Mm -hmm. uh, but 
um, I can say it, it. It's a quite great game if you like that kind of game. Of course, if grand strategy games and playing with a ton of numbers more than visual things is not your thing, it's probably not going to be the thing for you. But uh, if you like strategy uh, on the purest sense of the of the term, like not moving like single visually uh, represented characters in a hex map or in a grid, but actually having a ton of numbers to play with, like supply numbers, uh, construction, industry, politics, right. and crap like that, uh, that's going to be a great game for you. And that's pretty much it. Actually, I'm playing some, some Black Desert Online still on side, but uh, I, I don't have enough time to dedicate to MMORPGs until N3 is done. Yeah, going to go enough. back to that until when it is done, and I'm also going to go back to Final Fantasy XIV, playing the new the new down the new uh, update after E3 when I have a little bit more time, and that's it. That's pretty hectic still for being as busy as you are. Well, under E3, yes, it's busy. Uh, today it's not even E3 yet. I have to write 20 articles. Oh my God! At least you're keeping our valuable readers informed. Um, Chris, let's go to you. Uh, anyone, anyone want to take a guess what I've been? What I've probably been doing? Overwatch. Yeah, okay, Overwatch. Let's, let's no, realize guys, how great yeah, it is. Guys, hashtag Ryan. Ryan. You, you had your chest. Oh, you had your chest. Ryan, Google did it wrong. Cut the audio, yeah, someone. Uh, so, so for new stuff, I've been playing uh, a lot more Overwatch, uh, but we talked enough about that. Uh, Mirror's Edge Catalyst, which I'll be reviewing. Uh, so I'm playing a lot of that. Uh, I was a big fan of the first game, so I'm very much... I've been looking forward to playing this, uh, enjoying it so far. Uh, and then for old stuff, just I've been doubling down on fantasy RPGs with uh, The Witcher 1 and Final Fantasy X HD. All right. Yep. All right. Yeah, that's a that's a great list. Uh, myself... The meet oh, there's still you. Ah. Anyway... Uh, as for myself, I'm currently going through SteamWorld Heist, which we're giving away later, of course, uh, which I very much enjoy. Uh, not as much as SteamWorld Dig, but we'll, I'll get into that. We'll talk a bit about it. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's about it. it. It's a bit of a rush right now. Um, so you want to get into the meat and potatoes? Let's get into the meat and potatoes. All right. So we're going to start with news. And the news story today is there are leaks like crazy lately. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not going to go into the specific news leaks too much right. because you've probably seen them already. We and could do a show just on that, basically, because there was just so much <laughs> one over the last show, right. Like 20 shows. Like there isn't yeah. anything that's not leaking lately. Right. I mean, there's still going to be... Right now, a tree is not, not much more about the news themselves. But it's like more about seeing the gameplay after you already know the news. Yeah, yeah. it's just <laughs> confirmation. And, and yeah, just more, more like, oh yeah, now we, we know everything. Now let's see some gameplay, or let's hear the developers and interviews and stuff like that. Because, like, <laughs> or my pre tree is more is more like news wise is more hectic and leaks wise, like everything leaking. Like I don't know. It seems to be to me that. The industry, and especially people that work like on Xbox Live, uh, PlayStation, Twitch, uh, places where advertisement goes, uh, are hiring a lot of interns, probably, because, you know, the economy is what it is. And so they 
they don't pay much. They're not like very well trained and they don't pay much attention like to time zones and stuff like that. Yeah. So they, yeah. they schedule stuff, maybe on the wrong time zone, and and then it come out comes out like uh, five, ten hours before. And and people see it and it goes out. And then the, and the funny thing is that they try to stamp it out, like, yeah, sure. Ubisoft uh, is is like taking down some videos of uh, of uh, of the trailer of uh, Watch Dogs. Yeah, like like twenty more uh, copies are not gonna pop up. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that happens with every single thing, every every single big thing that happened in the past few days, in the past few months, because leaked before. If it wasn't by an advertiser, it was by some site that broke the embargo, because again, someone didn't pay attention to the time zone. And mm-hmm. it, it's happening more than it used to happen. See, that's what I, I I can't necessarily remember that. I don't think I was as in tuned into the uh, into hearing all the leaks. I kind of shut myself out for a lot of when I wasn't part of the press. This has been a continuous thing um, for ever, or just for the past few years. Actually, it's getting worse and worse in a in a, like in the past. Two years, something like that. It, it used, it didn't used to be like this. It was leak, of course. Leaks had, had always existed, but there wasn't as many leaks. Uh, just someone that pressed the wrong button it was right. normally it was people that like uh, add a copy of the of the video and decided to leak it online or stuff like that. Right now, instead, it it's more like someone simply pressing the wrong button on scheduling something at the wrong time, and it, it happens with everything. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we saw that we we saw that too with like um, Final Fantasy 15 with the release date getting leaked before because of a YouTube video that mm-hmm. leaked that had the the release date in it. So, I think yeah, it but is, yeah, the funny like thing that. is, sorry, but no, no, I'm done. You go ahead. The funny the, the well, actually as as a news reporter. When I see these kind of leaks, it actually I'm actually sad about it because I know how much time developers and publishers put into into creating those reveals, into ramping up the hype a little bit of those reveals, and having them revealed as a leak may be a low quality leak. Like this morning's uh, half trailer that came out of of Watch Dogs. Oh, oh, and my camera turns off, and back it comes. Don't worry, I'm coming back. Um, it it kind of makes me feel sad because, unfortunately, as a reporter, I I have to to report about it. It's my it's my job, and and I have to keep my my our readers like uh, informed. Right. So unfortunately, I we have to, and even and even if they don't worry about it, I'm, I'm just right. going to click until until it stays. Um, okay. As long as my voice comes through, that's fine. Um, the the problem is that. If I if I, we don't publish it, someone else will, and the effect will be the same. But our readers will not be informed, so we can't really not uh, leak them. And of course, developers uh, and publishers are not happy about it, and I am not happy because I'm sad to have to kind of spoil it. But it's my it's our job, and but but it's it's not a, a situation that I like. I, I would simply like to you know have stuff revealed the right way when it's the right time. Unfortunately, uh, circumstances are not, uh, don't allow it because pretty no. much every morning before a big announcement, 
like at 8, 8 a.m., 9 a.m., my time, which means that it's still late night uh, in America, I know that somewhere, somewhere, somehow, that thing is going to come out. And there is no way it's going to be avoidable. I don't know if, like, there are so many channels now for advertisement that someone something happens all the time. Yeah. But it's unfortunate. Um, I'm yeah. sure a lot of people enjoy leaks, but I, I prefer if we, like, didn't have as many leaks. I, I think it's, right. it'd be better to, like, be more exciting, more fun to, to just see the things the way they're supposed to be seen, not with the, like, three, 360p video with super compression that doesn't really look good and maybe gives you a wrong impression of the game before you actually see the game. Yeah, I think it does like kind of ruin the surprise a bit. I feel like it's it's the equivalent of like uh, you know finding out your Christmas gifts early, kind of, is it ruins the surprise. So I feel like that's you know when when something gets leaked at that, it's like it's cool to find out about it, but it I think it would be more exciting if it was the big kind of flashy reveal because then it kind of mm-hmm. then when it eventually does happen, it kind of is like oh well we already knew about this like a day or two ago. So yep, yeah, fortunately, or even just a few hours hours before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think. It's un- it's very unfortunate when this leaks because generally, I mean, uh, while it's all marketing like crazy, the studios themselves have a means that they want to present it. It's it's kind of shitty. Like if I were to work on a review or an article or a feature story or something, I would be infuriated, especially if it was one I worked on for, let's say, three years, if I couldn't present it the way I wanted to. Um, it's, it's something that's undoubtedly part of the industry and helpful to consumers in a lot of ways. Um, but there are times like when it comes to E3 where it's only a few days away that we'll hear it. And I, I don't know how much, how much helpful it is versus just pulling site, uh, pulling for views. Um, but it's something that if a site doesn't report on it, like Giuseppe said, uh, then it's just going to be reported on by five or six other sites. Or five or six hundred other sites. Yeah. yeah. Chris, how do you feel about leaks? Um, so I'm in this weird weird state where I don't really mind leaks. Because, like, when it's, when it's certain things, like, I find out the details and then I get to see the actual reveal of it. Mm-hmm. I like seeing it presented the way that it was intended to be. And I, I kind of like getting the news, but at the same time, I said it, I think, what? The first shock as we came back, I'm just going to put on my, my little tinfoil hat. And the prevalence of this, I don't think, is all mistakes. With how right. how frequently they're coming out, I'm pretty sure most people are doing free advertising, trying to hype it up, and then pick get get to the people like me who don't really mind leaks, and then like seeing the actual reveal too. You know. You know, I doubt that most of those are are like intended because of the quality that we get. Like, uh, I can guarantee you, pretty much, like with everything I have, that. Like this morning, this morning's leak of uh, Watch Dogs was not intended because that kind of quality really ruins the visual of the game. And I can bet my ass that no marketer anywhere, even the most like unscrupulous, would would have wanted to show the game in that way. Right. Because it really looks bad. Yeah, I suppose. Um, and of course, to each their own. But I. There, I think there are some that do feel directed. The ones that we saw today, I'm going to go through very quickly. Um, so if you don't want to hear 
what happened if you're keeping an E3 blackout, like I, I know some of my friends are, and then just mute for like the next 30 Fair seconds. Mouth. Yeah. Yes. Um, but today, I think just today alone or today and yesterday, um, we had Destiny Rise of Iron expansion details leaked. Um, the reveal stream, of course, is tomorrow and it's going to be by Bungie. Uh, and this was leaked by accident by Bungie on their own site. Of course, it's been leaked before through people taking pictures of posters and Google something. Um, Watch Dogs 2's trailer was leaked by Twitch uh, in an advertisement form. Uh, there was box art, I believe, leaked for the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim remastered. It wasn't uh, the box art; it was just the name. It was the listing. Oh, just yeah. the listing. Okay, and um, Injustice Two was leaked by GameStop. Uh, the trailer was then released, and there's a funny tweet on it, supposedly. Yeah, Ed Boon posts a uh, a great picture of it. Um, I don't know if you can pull oh. it up onto the OBS. <laughs> I... I see it. Yeah. I can't. I don't think. It's, so it, it, basically, it's this piece of paper that says uh, "party invitation list." And it says President Obama, Beyonce, Taylor Swift, Oprah, George Clooney, and it has GameStop, but it's crossed out with a red marker. So it's pretty <laughs> funny. So. All right, wait. We're gonna put it in the chat. Come be part of the chat, and you'll see all these funny links we post. And we can put okay. it. We'll put it in the description for you people on YouTube as well. All right, but well, yeah. I th I th think we kind of hammered the leaks, so we can move on to the remasters. Yeah. I think oh, wow. that's. Uh, I think we could definitely do that. Uh, so, yeah, we got our our final word out on. Well, Ed Boon is a funny guy. Yeah, so. he's he's great. <laughs> I, I, I love Ed Boon. I, I don't think he's serious. I I think he loves game stuff. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, no, it's tongue in cheek. Um, but let's go back to remasters and remakes. Now, Giuseppe, why is remasters and remakes the topic of the show? What is there any recent news regarding remasters and remakes? Well. Which one? There are a ton of them. Like, <laughs> every day it comes out news or rumors about a new one. Right. The latest, biggest one is Final Fantasy XII. It's going yeah. to get a PS, a, a remaster on PS4. Probably going to come to PC later, mm -hmm. as usual. Not sure. For now, it's PS4, PS4 exclusive. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, Final Fantasy XII. Um, a lot of people wanted it. There, there is, there is this person that. Uh, uh, works as a localization manager for <laughs> for Xseed, I think, mm -hmm. which is great. She, she's absolutely right to to follow on Twitter and stuff like that. Uh, she was absolutely overjoyed, and 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 she wasn't the only one. Yeah. And I I'm pretty happy myself. Even if Final Fantasy XII is not my favorite Final Fantasy, actually far from my favorite Final Fantasy, mostly for story reasons. Uh, people love it because of the mechanics and stuff like that. I think the story was a little dull compared to the past Final Fantasies, but that's just my opinion, per per very personal opinion. I'm right. sure yeah. people will prefer. But uh, yeah, that's a big one, and there are, there is another one. There are a few more for for Batman coming out. There are lots of lots of remasters all over the place, and that that's. That seems to be uh, there. There is more rumors came out about the Bioshock remasters as well, uh, like a persistent rumor that, that says that they are indeed coming, even if 2K say that they what they didn't announce so far is not coming out this year. So unless they actually lied to investors, which right. is problematic, <laughs> very, because you don't lie to investors. Incredibly illegal. Just do not. <laughs> bad, bad idea legally. But in any case, we'll see if, if uh, it actually comes out at E3. 
Mm-hmm. But if, because those those news those rumors say that will be announced at E3, we'll see. Uh, but even if that wouldn't uh, come out, there is plenty of remasters, which is funny. Like, uh, looks like the industry has completely accepted the idea of remasters, and I think the the public as well is a lot more accepting of the idea of remasters. I, I remember quite a while ago in which there was a time in which uh, people's were still proning a little bit of the idea of you know milking old titles and stuff like that. I wasn't, but I know a lot of people were. Uh, right. And I know that, I, like, uh, and right now people seem more accepting of them, which is I think good. Yeah, I think it's definitely good. We got some um, discussion topics on it, in fact. Uh, so remasters and remakes. Chris, how short is too short? Um, for a remaster remake to be considered, of course, we just had. Uh, we, th- there have been some notoriously short remasters remake. The one that sticks out always in my head for this was Tomb Raider, um, definitive edition coming out, which I, I don't think was too short. I didn't get to enjoy it on the PlayStation Three. But what do you think? Uh, I think you need to give these things time. Like you gotta, you gotta let a game have, like, I can't, I can't give an arbitrary number, but it has to be to the point where like I miss it. Like, um, what is it? Like, the, the Deadpool game High Moon Studios released? Like, mm-hmm. did anyone want the remake of that one to come out? And then it just kind of did, you know? Like, it's it. there's there's got to be a certain amount of time for something to fester, for it to just bu- bubble over and be like, you know what, I really want to play this. Like, um, the time between uh, Halo 2 and the Halo Remastered Collection, that to me is a good amount of time because it's, it's a very classic long. game. It's a very yeah. long time, but... I really want to play Halo 2 multiplayer and you get the nostalgia for it. Then it comes out and it's exactly what you remember and it feels good. Like, you know, a couple of years doesn't really do that to me. Right. Like, I, like I love Skyrim, but I just sunk how much of my life into Skyrim how recently. See, I, I completely disagree with that. In fact, I think that, Ooh. I think that Rima, uh, that Skyrim is that perfect length where I remember, I remember playing putting hours into it on PlayStation 3. It ran like crap on the PlayStation 3 and eventually I just had to give up playing it because it would slow down to about a frame a second. Uh but I I really like if that's true, I'm really looking forward to that. I don't care that I've been playing it on PC. I don't care that I have a ton of mods. I think that they're able to do something really interesting with it if they do bring it over. Uh but what about you, Ryan? Um, this is still on the topic of how short is too short. How short is right? too short. Okay. Um, I mean, I think the ones that stick out to me are things like The Last of Us Remastered and, uh, I guess the Grand Theft Auto when that came out on PS4 and Xbox One where those came, you know, roughly about a year after. I, I mean, like, Grand Theft Auto, I don't know if that really counts as a remaster as much as I think they're more ports, but, like, I think Last of Us is a good example where that was literally a year after the game had come out. Mm-hmm. Um... You know, so I think it was. I think it was weird to see that come so soon after. But I understand why they wanted to get it on Sony's new console because it kind of came at the very tail end of the the PlayStation 3's life cycle. Um, so I think it's when it's something like that that I tend to be a little bit more like, really, like you know, that when it's a remaster that's coming like within a year or so of the game originally coming out, that it does seem a little unnecessary. 
Yeah. Um, but I think I agree with with more like Chris, where like I see the value in remasters more for games that either have been released a long time ago, so something like Halo Two, where that was like a ten, you know, more than ten years after its release. Of course. Uh, or in particular remasters that I've liked, like Grim Fandango remastered, where it's a game. It's for a game that literally, like, unless you were able to get like a really old copy of it that still managed to work on a PC somewhere, like it's a game that's basically inaccessible like mm-hmm. to most people. Yeah. Personally, I think that there is absolutely no right or wrong time for a remaster. Uh, it's it's very simple. Uh, a remaster makes a game accessible for people that are don't have access to it uh, in another on another platform. Right. So if a remaster of a game came out of PS3 even just one year ago, that's great because it, there there is a lot of people that don't have a PS3 at all, so they get access to a game. Uh, the remaster of Tokyo Xanadu that uh, got, just got announced, it was only on this PS Vita. How many people don't have a PS Vita? Now we're going to get a chance to, to get it on PS4, and uh, maybe there are more chances that, that it's going to be localized and come west. Uh, so in the end, uh, remasters are completely optional. No right. one loses from them. But there is always someone that has access to it. Remaster almost never come out on the same platform. Yeah, though I think so, that I think wait, you might no, have no, an no, no, finished. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Ah. <laughs> uh, they ne- almost never come out. Well, actually, never come out on the same platform. So in the end, you put the the game in the hands of people that didn't have a chance to play it. In a lot of cases, and I think that it's always a good thing. Uh, of course, you are not forced to play it. If you already played it, you don't need to buy it again. You can decide. You can make an informed decision and decide if you want to buy it again or not. In the end, it's good for us. It's good for gamers it, that they get to access it. It's good for industry because they get some money that gets invested in bigger projects uh, mm-hmm. with low risk, low effort. And, uh, you know, it's, it's always good to have more money flowing into the industry. And uh, that gets to be invested. It's not like most of that money. Of course, some money goes in bonuses, goes in returns to investors, stuff like that. But uh, a lot of that money gets reinvested in bigger projects. And yeah. also developers, there are big studios that have born and grown on making remasters. And now they, and after a while, they also get into making their own games. So it's more work for developers. Uh, developers that also get to be not laid off because uh, remasters a lot of the time are positioned in between bigger projects, right. uh, in which case uh, a lot of companies just downsize normally and so like, they lay off a lot of people. In, in, which if they have a remaster to throw it in the middle, they don't. And uh, it's good for gamers because we get to access games in new platforms that maybe we missed. So even the Last of Us that Ryan was meaning uh, was talking about, yeah, sure, uh, it was one year after. But the Last of Us, uh, how many PS4 owners don't have a PS3 at all, and why should they be locked out of a great game, right? Good yeah. point too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess the one counter argument, and it's probably the one I hear the most about. I don't know if I really followed the logic behind it, but uh, when these companies do remaster uh, remasters of a game. They may be allocating resources 
um, that would otherwise go to the development of a new franchise or a new game in the series. Um, yeah. but that's bullshit. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, I'm kind of in that, that ground too, because this, these are normally either outsourced to another studio, uh, giving them business, giving both studios business. Um, and it also helps fund future projects because for instance, let's say this Skyrim leak is true. Uh, think of how many years this will just give Bethesda to sit around, do nothing, and work on their engine and just profit off Skyrim. Everyone loves Skyrim. Everyone's going to buy that. Um, yeah, but it's not like uh, even if they are making a Bethesda remaster, a Skyrim remaster, it's not like Bethesda is not continuing to work on whatever they're working on next. Right. Uh, they have, if they're doing it internally, they have a small team working on it. Probably a small team that wouldn't be like used for other things otherwise, and uh, maybe they are even hiring for it because normally you know resources are are like uh, are, are fluid. It's not like you have this amount of developers. You can mm -hmm. hire more developers, on or, or you can allocate developers that you would normally wouldn't use. It's people that that say that um, they they detract from the developer game simply other games simply don't know how how this works. Right, uh, and this works that nothing is set in stone. What is set in stone normally is budgets, money, and remasters don't detract money from bigger projects. They give you money money for bigger bigger projects. So so it's great. Yeah. Um, all right. So we got uh, a few more questions. Before we go on to the follow up, the hypotheticals. Um, we, this was mostly talk about remasters what about remakes do all of this apply to remakes is there a time limit uh, difference for remakes too no no it's pretty much the same thing uh it, the, the line between the remake and remaster is very blurry anyway yeah I, that's fair um all right so let's say uh you had the option working at any studio to make a remake of a game what game on a previous console, would you like to see remade? Or remade? Uh, yes, remade. Mm, this is a difficult question. I let Ryan and Chris go before me. Because I had too many. It's not that I don't know one. <laughs> hmm. I think uh, off the top of my head, the ones that I would, I would kill for, as you put it in the question, uh, I would love... So one of my favorite games growing up was Golden Sun on the G. Okay. And that's that was like one of my favorite games growing up in there. So I feel like um, I would love to see you know that happen. That that's like definitely not going to happen at some point, but it would be cool. Right. Um, I think the other one I think that maybe an easier answer is Shenmue because I've never played any of the I've never played Shenmue like the original Shenmue. I've never played any of the the original. You're games, fired. So I feel like uh, I didn't I didn't have a, I didn't I didn't have what was was it the first on Dreamcast? Was that the first system or? I, that sounds right, but I I can't remember. I know, but yeah, I. But yeah, anyway, um, I would love for a chance to get to play those games. So I feel like Shenmue would be the my right. answer. All right, how about you, Chris? Uh, so I was thinking about it, and then uh, it kind of came to me. I'd like to see the Mass Effect games again. I'd like to see all three Mass Effect games, the entire trilogy, put right back on the current gen, so I could make my decisions again, shape the world, and for them to kind of matter for Andromeda. Don't play my play with my heart like that. That's the one thing I'd probably really like. Do you think of an answer, Giuseppe? Well, uh, there is one game that I'd love to see either a remake or, or 
a remaster or, or even a new game of the series, honestly, which is Rival Schools uh, or Chorizo Justice Gakuen now, people uh, call it in Japanese, uh, by Capcom. Actually, it's, it came out from quite a few Capcom developers talking about games that they would like to remake, like Yoshinori Orno talked about it, uh, the producer of Dragon's Dogma talked about it as well. And I think it was a, a fighting game IP that really oozed the charm. And it was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. Unfortunately, we, we got the main version because we kind of, the, the, the version that we got in the West uh, was lacking all the uh, character building part of the game because you could actually create your own character and um, have like a semi-visual novel part of it. It was like for uh, budget budget reasons probably they cut it out because it required a lot of localization because you had a lot of look of dialogue but I think a remasters uh, a remaster or remake of that would, would be awesome like uh, or or even a new game I, mean, I just would like to see the franchise come back right probably I'm, my favorite fighting game ever I've got two on the top of my head that I'm thinking of um, specifically. I'd love to see Star Wars Bounty Hunter have like a full remake. Whoa. Of course, we saw that we saw it go from PS2 classics over. But I loved that game as a kid. I don't even like Star Wars. I, it, by by that I mean I haven't watched Star Wars. I'm sure I like it if I end up watching it. But I loved that game. That's something I want to see again. Uh, also, just more normal. I think more generally asked for is the original Infamous and Infamous 2. Um, I thought they were the by far superior Infamous games, uh, then followed by First Light and Second Sun. But I think those are the ones that need to be remastered. I think they're the ones that hold up the legacy of the series more so. I would like to see them remastered, but they disagree that they are worse, that they are better than Second Sun, especially because the main character was a prick. <laughs> well, it, it, it's not like it was a prick, but it was pretty. Dull. He, was anno- he was annoying. He was. It very, was kind of like Aiden like... Pierce. Like uh, everyone kind of hates. Oh, I don't know. I feel like I would take because Aiden Pierce was dull. I I take right. De- uh what's Delson over uh over Aiden any day. It was like <laughs> bad personality over no personality. Like Delson at least had personality versus Aiden. Uh, but... You can say the same about the protagonist of like Famous in Famous Two, though. It, it didn't really have much. Mm. Because that, that that's normally what happens when you can mix a lot when when uh, when you can like uh, kind of mold the character to your thing. They actually managed to do it well with Delsin, but it it shows that they had they had time to practice before. Right. So in famous one and two was practice for that mechanic. So I definitely prefer a second son to to the first two because of the main character. Right. And in the similar theme, I'm going to ask everyone if they could remake a game. I'm talking like full reboot, um, kind of, but keeping the same themes or story of the original game. What would you go for? Um, And I'll start it off. I'll give everyone some time to think. Uh, And I actually want a Shovel Knight remake. Um, Shovel Knight just came out. But I think it'd be interesting to have the exact same game, the exact same story, in just a different style of graphics um have it instead of nes or 
it was kind of on the board of NES and SNES, have it now in the N64 and PlayStation genre. Uh, or uh, technology fields, basically. Um, so that's going to be my first choice, I think. Well, that's the same for me, the same as before. Still, it's the rival schools. Of course. <laughs> How about you, Chris? Sitting um, there, pondering. So, if it gets completely rebooted, can we make fan bases forget about the old ones? Sure. Uh, then Super Smash Brothers, because I'm tired of hearing people talk oh, about Melee. Oh, 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 I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> oh, Smash 4 is great. Everyone needs to get over Melee. Please, please. I'm, I, I love Super Smash Brothers. I hate listening to people talk about Super Smash Brothers Melee. Oh, oh man, Chris! I, I don't know. We can't work together anymore. Like... <laughs> I think I, I think I need to fire one of you. <laughs> just for talking about Smash Bros. Uh, I I felt when Chris said Smash Brothers, I felt it just like stab my heart in in, in pain. But... All right, Listen, well, I'd like another one. I still love the franchise. Just stop talking about Melee. It's not the best fighting game ever made. Uh, the person I'm referring <laughs> to that to knows who I'm well, talking. That that's okay because I don't think any Smash Brother is the best fighting game ever made. Oh, God. It's not even a fighting Guys. game. Oh. oh, it hurts. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> I would say it's the best sumo wrestling game ever made. Ah, oh, you guys, it hurts so much. Oh, it, it, it's it, it could be the best. I don't know. Weird game ever made. <laughs> I think Fight. I think I think for the next minute or two I'm just it's gonna not have to really turn off fight. my sound. Right. It's a bottom mashing game. Characters flying around. <laughs> Ryan, it makes me feel any better, Ryan. I got destroyed when I went to a Smash Brothers tournament this <laughs> weekend. Like, bad. Okay, so, Ryan, you now have the opportunity, <laughs> the moment, to change it. Uh, I'd like to redo uh, Battleport. No, I'm kidding. It's like, I'm kidding. Maybe it's okay with Lector to do Battleborn, too. So, sorry, so just to clarify, so this is different than the remakes we were talking about before? We were talking about remasters before. Oh, I thought we were talking about remakes before. So, no, sorry. we're just out of order okay. on the outline. Uh, okay, sorry. Uh, okay, so for a remake, I'm actually going to steal uh, part of your playbook about Star Wars and go with Star Wars Rogue Squadron because mm. I oh. would love to see a return to Star Wars Rogue Squadron, which Battlefront, I mean, had some cool vehicular stuff, but I feel like it, I would love to see a return to just kind of straight up, you know, space battles, uh, all that stuff, like in Rogue Squadron, and because that's easily my favorite Star Wars game ever. Okay, you you, you find me another one actually, uh, which is actually better than, than Rogue Squadron for me, which is X-wing versus Tie Fighter. I never played that those. One. I've heard they're good, so you're fired. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been counting all these, Chris? You're the I'm one normally in charge. I'm at two for tonight. I'm on a I'm on a roll. So um, I mean, I'm just going cumulative at this point. Okay, so anyway, I think we've uh, exhausted the topic at least for as long as we want to talk today. Um, we're going to go into review roundup and our favorite segment, 8-Bit Idiot. Following that, we'll do the giveaway so everyone can hold their hats. We, we've got, as I mentioned before, a giveaway for PlayStation Vita SteamWorld Heist. Um, so review roundup, we only have one review this week, and it's by me. Uh, I think a lot of games aren't so much coming out this moment because E3 coming up and it, you don't want to be overshadowed. But uh, it was for Letter Quest Remastered, which we had just given away at the beginning of the podcast, Twitch stream. Uh, and it was basically Scrabble in an RPG sense with Grim Reapers. 
very unique game, really very niche, but it was I had a party. It, it was awesome to have at the party where it was kind of a mix of Scrabble and RPG elements where uh, you would build a word and do damage based on how many letters are in the word. Uh, and it was kind of a, like a great time waster. Um, a great thing to be like, all right, well, I'm going to pop in, pop this in for 15 minutes. I'm playing it on my Vita on my way to work. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there. Uh, definitely a good game. Uh, great game even not amazing but great you have to be in the audience though to enjoy it like you have to enjoy uh puzzle slash learning style games anyway let's move on to 8-bit idiot this is everyone's favorite segment where we highlight trouble areas of the industry by proxy of someone who did something stupid this week uh, everyone has their stupid days. I make my stupid days. This happens in the industry more than... Ugh, Dollarance is here. Dollarance is here right on time for 8-Bit Idiots, his favorite segment. Um, so, yeah, this happens in the industry... Uh, Dollarance. It's Dollarance 1. Dollarance 1. Sorry yes. about that. Um, so, yeah, this happens in the industry a ton. Uh we have been doing this consecutively, except for last week. This week, we're giving the 8-Bit Idiot Award to Jim Sterling. Now, Giuseppe... I, I think it should be pretty much, like, uh, <laughs> scheduled for for that kind of award, like, every week since forever. But anyway, uh, let's get into it. So, our favorite, Jim Sterling, uh, came out with one of his videos on YouTube this week. Uh, titled um, "Industry Executives Are Fucking Idiots," and uh, already, well, profanity not so not so classy, but that's okay. We're used to it. But the idea, uh, the basic idea, was that um, uh, the uh, CFO, uh, the chief of executive office, uh, sorry, chief financial officer, officer of EA and the head of uh, EA Studios admitted uh, during uh, a couple different financial conferences that they had um, reservations uh, about the um, World War I setting of uh, Battlefield I, uh, which, uh, because uh, uh, they thought that kids did not know that World War I existed, or they didn't know much about it, or and they didn't just didn't know it was very cool because, you know, trench warfare, uh, it can be boring. And uh, because of this, uh, according to Jim Starlings, they are, they are fucking idiots. Um, and that's idiotic. Uh, I'm sorry, but that's simply how it is. Uh, first of all, let's say the basic thing. Um, if you get to be the CFO of a, of a global publisher like EA, uh, you're not a fucking idiot or an idiot at all. Uh, it requires having studied a ton, requires knowing the market, knowing business, and you don't get in that position just because of connection, and you don't keep that position for sure, and you don't lead the, the company to be as more entirely and economically successful as EA has been in the past few years if you're a fucking idiot or an idiot. Um, but that's simply the basic. Let's get into the meat of the question. If you are <clears throat> um, 
first of all, they they did they say that they were cautious and they rejected it initially. Uh, but it doesn't mean that the game is not going to get made. The game is actually being made, which means that they consider it risky, but they decided to go for it. A fucking idiot or an idiot would say, no, we don't do it, and then never listen anymore. So the game wouldn't be made. Instead, they considered it risky, but they, they listened to the developers in the long run, and they, in the end, Greenlighted it. So, despite the fact that it was risky, they decided to go for it. So, I think they, they don't deserve to be called idiots. They actually deserve to be praised. Uh, secondly, um, they weren't wrong in their argument in, in their in their arguments uh, against uh, World War One, uh, as I actually mentioned in the past article. World War One is not an easy an easy topic to solve. Uh, Jim Sterling kind of made fun of the idea that they thought that kids. Uh, did not know about World War One, but that's kind of true. A lot of uh, kids, or even adults, a ton of adults, don't know uh, know about World War One to the extent that it's basically the word the word war that came after before World War Two. Because if there is a two, there has to be a one. Um, but uh, even schools, the schooling system nowadays in a lot of countries, don't teach you about World War One all that much. And surely they don't teach about it in a way that can, can be considered in any way cool to market a game out of it. Um, it was he said that it was stupid to think that it was all about trench warfare because there is a lot of different things. But fact is that most of World War One was about uh, sitting in trenches or charging from trench to trench and gaining maybe 100 meters a month. If uh, and then maybe those those one meters were lost in like an instant, again mm-hmm. and again and again for five years, and <laughs> there is variation, but that's not the popular idea people have of World War One. And you market games and you market a setting, starting as a starting point from the popularity of something. So if the popular idea of World War One is boring, it's not that the game is going to be boring. But it's going to be harder to sell and to market. So EA took a risk. Mm-hmm. There is also the fact that um, in the end, the game is simply going to be made. So since it's going to be made, they are not fucking idiots. They, they listened to the developers and decided to trust the developers. And... I think they deserve to be praised. I know a lot of people that they would have not done it. For, and moreover, which is more important, the industry executives, are their, their whole job is about being cautious. Being cautious is their job because they're working with the money of the investors, of the company, and with the livelihood of, of developers. Um, they're not just handling the money of their investors, but they're also responsible for keeping developers in the job and keeping this, the money flowing from the publisher to the studios. Right. So if they recklessly uh, green light games that are too risky and fail, that's what gets studios closed. And EA did it a lot in the past, and it's not doing it as much l- lately. Uh, in fact, they haven't been closing studios lately. Not not as much. Uh, 
because they are being cautious. Being cautious is their job, is, is how they keep bread on the tables of the developers. Because if games fail, people get to get, go to get home. They go right. to go home. They they go to be get they get to laid off, and that's not a good thing. So of course they should take risks, and in fact they do take risks. Battlefield One is a risk. They took it. It's not like they they slammed the door. They didn't listen, and they never did it. So right. yeah, that that's that's absolutely mind-boggling to me that someone would call them idiots because they had reservations. They were, one, they were right to have those reservations because they were absolutely justified. And two, despite those reservations, they listened to the developers and the game is going to get made. So, applause for the guys working at EDA. I know they are not very popular uh, in, many, in many ways, but I, they have all my respect for taking this leap and for, me, or for, for greenlighting the game. Mm-hmm. So, no, they are not fucking idiots. They are... In this case, they did a very, very good, nice thing, and I'm happy the game is going to get made, and I totally understand why they had reservations about it, but I, I, can, I have only praise for, for, for actually taking the job and making it. Right. I'm going to add a few extra points to that. I, I watched the video, and he brings up some points I don't necessarily 100% agree with. Um, he, he can... He, Jim Sterling... Uh, harps the entire thing, uh, the entire uh, show for him uh, about the fact that kids wouldn't understand it, which a lot of people in the comments are already saying is true. I mean, that's that's a fair point. Kids don't understand it. But he said that that's a fault of EA because they're trying to get around ESRB. No, they're not. They're, they know that, that kids play it. ESRB is not is there, so it's not sold directly to kids. Not that kids can't play games that are rated. They just, of course, need parental permission, and a lot of parents are fine with it. A lot of parents give their kids permission. I certainly was playing mature games way before um, I was 17 in the U.S. Um, along with that, he also mentions something along the lines of uh, that executives are stupid because because of this failing i think to think about the fact that any game that you've ever enjoyed was greenlit by uh, an executive and some of them are risky games i mean you know there not all of them have been really great or really easy calls and anything that you've liked that you think is experimental or on the fence um has gotten that green light from an executive. Uh, yeah, including things like um, Unravel, for instance. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, the, he, he harps on that kid issue, but I, I, that's really the only point he talks about. So but I, finally, uh, by the way, that kid thing is totally a non-issue. It's like, naughty, naughty, you're trying to sell games to kids. No! First of all, when someone, a lot of times, it, it, I mean, maybe he's British, maybe he doesn't understand, but I'm Italian and I understand it. In, in, in the US especially, you use the word kids in a very like loose way. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, 30, I'm 30, 30 past, let's not give my exact age, but if you are 20 or something, I may call you kid. 
You've called me kid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> those people are like 50, 40, 45, 50. So they may easily call kids people that are like 25 or so. And besides, even it's not just kids that don't know much about World War One or don't care much about it. It's people that are like in a generation that are 25, 30 years old. Uh, even my generation didn't sp study much about World War One in school. Mm -hmm. The not really much at all. We spent like half a day on it, and that was it. Normally, attention get put on on uh, like on World War Two mostly, uh, and uh, like aiming on that point to say naughty, naughty, naughty uh, electronic arts. It's like a low blow and like real low, low bro because. It's obvious that it wasn't trying to, to to sell the games to kids. It's simply a matter of using kids in a loose way. And right. there is another thing too, which is um, that he goes on the on the offensive, saying that uh, think about how many great games uh, have never been made because uh, <clears throat> because of executive that they decided not to make them, uh, and they decided for you uh, for you all. That uh, instead of you, that 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 they weren't good games, and they know nothing. Instead, they should have let people decide. First of all, <clears throat> that's it, and mind-bogglingly stupid argument, because if uh, basically is saying that all games should be greenlit, like no matter what silly idea a developer comes up, they should be greenlit because they should let the, the customer decide. That's the perfect way to get studios. To go downhill and into the crapper, because mm -hmm. if the, if every if every game ever pitched got greenlit, like they there wouldn't be enough money for them all. First of all, because budget is budget, so of course, yeah, a lot of games don't get greenlit because they have to be selective, because they can only afford making a certain number of games a year. So yeah, uh, executive listen to developers and. Based on several directions of, of advice they get, because they have advisors, they have developers, they listen to their studios, they listen to focus groups, they listen to a lot of people. It's not like he says that they, they, they do it randomly, uh, but they don't. They have sources that tell them. They, they have their own developers that tell them. Right. And, uh, and they decided not for in our stead. They decided for their company because their company is what puts the money into it. Mm -hmm. There is a space for ideas to be pitched directly to customers, which in their case directly found the games, which is Kickstarter. Right. But we're not or talking fake. about Kickstarter yet. We're talking about big publisher that needs to decide on what to put the money, which is limited. So, yeah, if you want a if you want a, an environment where all or the public can directly finance the games and decide what gets going to Kickstarter is for you. But EA is not Kickstarter. Or any other publisher is not Kickstarter. So we shouldn't think or even hypothesize that it should work like it Kickstarter. It can't work like that. Because they have right. a limited amount of resources. And they have to allocate them, and they have to decide what games to to make and not. Thinking that they shouldn't decide for us because they know nothing, they know better than you, Team Stern. 
that's for sure. And right. uh, go ahead. I was gonna say let's let's kick the conversation over to Ryan and Chris. We've kind of they've been mute on this. Um, what do you guys Sorry. think? Are EA or not even EA game industry executives making wrong the wrong decisions when it comes to things? Are they fucking idiots? Quote unquote, Jim Starling. <laughs> Uh, I'd say no. And honestly, I'm going to go back to a, a, to a point that Giuseppe made where he said um, that they said no once, but then when they came back, the game was greenlit. So I think the person claiming that the game executives are fucking idiots, you're the idiot for not thinking about what happened in that first pitch meeting. You don't know what this game sounded like on paper. And they mm-hmm. could have said, hey, I don't hate the concept, but people aren't really into that World War One." You need to wow me. This isn't wowing me. It's as simple as that. Like, one of the best things I could think of um, in a story of, like, development as far as getting something greenlit is uh, Luke Smith at Bungie. When he wanted to get the, uh, the head job to be the, uh, the main developer for the Vault of Glass raid, mm-hmm. designed the first part of opening the door. Had the heads of Bungie come in. Gave everyone a controller and said, figure out how to open that door. And that's how he got them to greenlight that idea. We don't know if they showed up and they're just like, oh, look, remember Call of Duty 2? It's kind of like that, but back in World War I. And the the executives went and said, hey, Call of Duty 2 was a great game. The industry's moved past this. You need to give me something different. And this is the spot that's missing. Because obviously, when a game executive makes an idea and comes back and greenlit something, it's better for it. Usually. Obviously, Mm -hmm. it's not 100%. But we don't know what was in that first conversation. And don't call someone an idiot for making a smart business move, especially when they let it go afterwards. Right. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot of those points. Because, I mean, you know, when you think about it, I think we tend to see when you, even when you say the word executive, you think, you know, people in business suits that have a lot of money and then they just say, oh, we need this, we need this, blah, blah, blah. And, but, you know, I don't think that's the case. And, you know, I think, um, you know, ultimately these are the people that are driving, uh, you know, that are, that are driving business, that are keeping, you know, so I think when you see that sort of, um, that sort of reaction where you think, oh, you know, they're fucking idiots, it's like, no, they're not. Like, they're just thinking of what will drive business, what will get games to sell, what will ultimately keep the company making games, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, so I don't like to take that stance. Or it's even even when people say things like, uh, when game developers do something, you know, that that isn't right, and they say game developers are lazy. I feel like that's just like a blanket, like you know, kind of backseat game developer, backseat game executive sort of answer. And so I don't like to take that because ultimately it's like. You know, if you put yourself in your in in their shoes, you'd probably make worse decisions. Like that's the reason why those people are in those positions because they're the ones that know what to do, what to do and how to drive a business. Not to say that all game developers are geniuses or make the right decisions. I mean, there's clearly been times they made mistakes. I think probably the biggest example I can think of that is uh, the Xbox One announcement. Like I think that was a clear sure. I think that was a clear uh, instance of right. Uh, you know, the higher ups not having or not having or not agreeing on the way to sort of push their console out. And obviously we saw that negatively, very negatively affect the Xbox One when it first came out um, because of this perception that, you know, it was going to be an entertainment device and all that stuff, but not making it. And then eventually that came to Phil Spencer to have to come in and sort of steer the ship back into the direction that they wanted. Um, So I don't necessarily think that uh, executives or 
higher ups in game companies make all the right decisions, but I think ultimately that's why they're there is because they're the ones that are trying to sort of lead things toward making a, a healthy growing business. Right. Which well, is yeah, what this industry is. There are a lot yeah. of mistakes uh, made, but that's all industries have mistakes made, and that doesn't yeah, mean sure. that people are stupid. They just mean that that, that you know people try people try to make the the best decision at any given time, given the information they have and the vision they have, and sometimes the vision they're given from others as well, and mm -hmm. they have to like put together a lot of different interests, but which is. The, the developers, the studio, the, the investors, the cons consumers, it's not easy to put them all together and try to mishmash them into something that works. Uh, but there is something that I, I want to respond to Christopher. Uh, you say that Jim Sterling is an idiot. He's not. I, I can tell you he's not an idiot. Jim Sterling is actually very smart because Jim Sterling knows very well what kind of buttons to push in order yeah. to bank on the outrage and to maximize the revenue that outrage brings him on YouTube and other channels. Mm -hmm. uh, no matter uh, the, the fact is that he doesn't care how this ingenious or this honest pushing these those button, buttons is. But I, and I think he's very aware of that. Uh, but he's not an idiot and that's the problem. If he was an idiot, it would probably be more forgivable. Because if you say something stupid because you're stupid, that's okay. Or, or because you're just ignorant, that's kind of forgivable. Uh, if you say something stupid disingenuously, trying to misinform people in order to bank on the rage, uh, that's something I, I'm very, very disinclined to, to agree with. Right. Uh, Ryan and Chris, your faces are both gone. Oh, I just put it back up. It should show up. Oh, there it is. Okay. Well, uh, they're kicking around. We, we talked about Kickstarter very briefly, uh, and th I think crowdfunding would make for another great topic one day. Um, yeah. But I just want to you know, make sure everyone keeps in mind that crowdfunding isn't just Kickstarter. I mean, uh, yeah, there's, there's, also, there's FIG, too. I think FIG might even be the better of uh, the two. Yeah, there is Indiegogo, too. There is Indiegogo. Yeah, there are quite a few options. Again, uh, there is that that scene as well, and that's great that ex that it exists, but it's not something that can really be used by big publishers unless they they do it in a certain way and not with all their games. Right. Um, all right. So yeah, I think we've wrapped up that segment. Uh, shame on you, Jim Sterling, but. I'm sure we'll see you again some point soon. Uh, we'll uh, use to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk upcoming games. And while we are talking about the upcoming games coming up this week, right before E3, uh, let's give away SteamWorld Heist for PlayStation Vita and the DLC along with it. Can you roll that, Chris? Maybe. Hopefully. Can you hear me, Luke? Please. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. All right, cool. You were cutting out for me. Oh, so, can you uh, roll the giveaway? Roll the giveaway? I got yep. you guys. Seraphim. Again. Double <laughs> winner today. What a lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> Yay. All right. Don't call people son of a bitch. Come on. 
It was in a, in a good term. Lucky. I know you're American, but you shouldn't call people like that. All right. Anyway, upcoming <laughs> games this week. Uh, on Xbox One and on June 8th, we have In Between. Also on June 8th, Soul Axum for Xbox One. Um, uh, also June 8th, Phoenix Furia for PlayStation 4. On the 9th, we have A Game of Changes for PC and Puzzle Labyrinth on 3DS. On June 10th, we have uh, Kirby Planet Robobot, which we have the review on right now for 3DS. Go check it out at the DualShockers page. Ryan wrote it. Very good review. Um, also, uh, we have Sherlock Holmes, The Devil's Daughter, coming to PC, PS4, Xbox One, Grim Legends, The Forsaken Bride on Xbox One, and The older, the Elder Scrolls Online Dark Brotherhood expansion. Um, so, yeah. A lot of... Uh, not a ton of stuff this week, but you got to have that week before E3 to figure yeah. that stuff out. Pray for us, please. It really <laughs> is going to be hell. Uh, make sure, of course, to join us next week. We're going to be talking about all the good stuff. It might be longer than an hour. In fact, it most certainly is going to be longer than an hour. We'll try to keep it down. But we will keep it down. It won't be a huge marathon. Uh, let's uh, do the social... Yeah, because we'll probably be exhausted. Right. <laughs> Uh, let's do the social media plugs. Uh, you can, if you're looking for Dual Shockers, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, over at whatever site slash Dual Shockers. Just look up Dual Shockers, you'll find us. If you're go on YouTube, it's going to be a little different. It's DSTV Originals, youtube.com slash DSTV Originals. Uh, and for Twitch, come watch, be part of the show. Join us in the comments section. Be Seraphim321 and win a ton of games. <laughs> Uh, we do this every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m., and we are never going to be late again, or else I'm fired, uh, over at twitch.tv slash Live. Finally, you can check our round-the-clock news coverage, reviews, features, editorials over at DualShockers.com. They keep the lights on, uh, and we're going to be going nuts for the next week. So make sure to tune in and figure that and read all of our stuff. Um, and yeah, that's everything. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us. Everyone who's in the tw in the Twitch chat, we didn't talk to you much today, but you've been doing awesome stuff, making awesome comments, and and keeping track of how many times we've been fired. That too. Yeah, and that too, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and thanks, Ryan, Chris, and Giuseppe for being here too. No, thank I you, Lou. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you are interested in following my shitty tweets, go to Twitter and look up Lou Cantaldi. Uh, Ryan, what's your? Uh, at uh, Ryan Meifler. Okay, TV. just your name. My name. Right below if you're watching the uh, yep. video. And Chris? You can find me at Mr. Moxiemens. And if you couldn't guess, I'll talk about Pokemon a lot. Like, a lot. I haven't seen one well, Pokemon you're, thing. you're fired. <laughs> Damn it! All right, and Giuseppe, you hate I saying yours. I'm there because... Even if I pronounced it, you wouldn't probably understand what all the letters because there are letters put them in a kind of random way. Uh, one one day I will tell you the story of that nickname, but it's a story for another day, for another time. That, that's for another whole podcast. Yeah. The origin story. Uh, well, it's probably gonna take five minutes. What it's five minutes we don't have. Indeed. All right, so let's end on this. Uh, so here we go. We're going into E3 week, everyone. Congratulations for lasting this long in the year. And yeah, enjoy all the news. Bye bye. bye.